Welcome to the podcast, Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where I connect authors with their readers. We also talk all about the author's inspiration, their journey to publication, and the authors will educate me and you, the listener, all about the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter, also known as The Author's Librarian. This episode is proudly sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is where I host my two websites for my authoring, book writing, and for my online courses. It's a powerful and easy um, to use website hosting and website creating program. No program skills are needed, trust me, and it's way easier than WordPress. If you wish to take your current website to a new hosting place um, and save yourself some time and resources, or you want to create a whole new website for your books, online courses, podcasts, or whatever you're trying to sell, then I totally encourage you to try out Squarespace. Go to my show notes for this episode and you can get a very special offer just from Squarespace um, for a free trial um, subscription for your web hosting. Now, on to the show. Hey, hi there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And before we get super started, I wanted to mention to everybody that this will be the last episode that I'm going to record and put out for the Authors of the Pacific Northwest for the foreseeable future. Um, I haven't decided how long that my little break sabbatical will be, but we don't know. So I just want to say thank you, everybody, for coming to the podcast, listening, and I hope you found your new favorite author and learned a lot. Um, So I have the pleasure of bringing back an author that was um, on the podcast way back in episode nine. So this will be episode 120. Um, So please um, welcome Adam Adam Copeland. So Adam, say hi to everyone. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Adam, I'm so glad that you are my last episode um, for my future here with this podcast because it's been such a journey. And you were you started that journey with me. You were like one of my very first authors. Um, so first, why don't we do a little bit of background since you're returning with us. Um, listeners, Adam's first episode was done in May of 2018, and there will be a link in show notes to go back and listen to that. Um, but first, Adam, kind of introduce yourself a little bit to everybody. Um, tell us where you're at in the Pacific Northwest, and what do you do for a day job? I'm curious, because I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I grew up here in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up by the Salem area in a little town called Silverton. And I am currently living in Vancouver, Washington, so I didn't go too far away. And I work in Ridgefield, just north of Vancouver, for a um, small but very interesting company called ICD High Performance Coatings. We make specialty coatings for architecture, solar, automotive. Um, some top secret stuff I can't talk about. And I remember the top secret part. <laughs> and I, um, I, I guess you could say I'm a department supervisor for one department here. It's a small company. There are not that many people. So we all wear a lot of hats. We do a lot of different things. I'm expanding my horizons and learning new things all the time. But uh, for the most part, my department makes the base liquid that becomes the coating that goes out to customers. 
Gotcha. Okay. So funny story listeners. So we had, I had Adam on my podcast in 2018. And so he's not very far from me where he lives. And, um, I, my husband and I like to go to this place called the um, Kalama Lodge and they have this really neat bar and it's like a, it's a little log, log cabin. So I went there um, once, I think it was a Sunday or a Saturday, I can't remember, it was a weekend. And I saw this guy over in the corner and he was typing away on his laptop and I didn't have the guts to go up and say something to him because I usually am pretty gutsy, but it was one of those days where I was like, yeah, I talked to a lot of people. I get home, Adam messaged me, he goes, Vicki, was that you at the lodge. <laughs> it was Adam over there working on his book, and I just about died. I go, I should have went over and said hi. <laughs> That's so funny. What book? What book were you working on at that time, if you remember? Um, I working on. I was working on my last book that I now got out, and mm-hmm. that's the book that's uh, an homage and love letter to my hometown of Silverton. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's let's talk a little bit about that before we kind of backtrack a little bit to some of what else you've done. Because um, in two years, I can imagine that, you know, there's a few more, maybe one or two more titles underneath your belt, right? <laughs> since, yeah. since we talked last. So when you say it's a love letter to your hometown, is it historical fiction or is it a, 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 a biography kind of memoir? It's uh, kind of what I call a photography. Oh, I like it's, that. Uh, it's a uh, nominally it's a murder mystery on the surface, but you throw in some ghosts and some flame snorting Arabian horses running down the street at night, and it kind of turns into an American Gothic. So that's why I call it Midnight in Silverton American Gothic. Oh, that's very cool. Complete fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I draw on a lot of elements from my personal life and the people of my hometown and there's some real people in there and some real situations. But for the most part, the overall story is just kind of ridiculous over the top fiction. It's it's in like a film noir style. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was fun to write. <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah, yeah. And so are there characters in there that are might be familiar to people that grew up with you in that area? And if they read it, they'd be like, hmm, he's drawing on people that he knew? Or did you? Oh, did yeah. You, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. <laughs> that's great. So what is your main genre for the listeners that have, haven't listened to your other podcast and they're going to go back and listen? What's kind of your main genres that you write? I Well... You know, I've bounced all over the place in my writing. And if I were to brand myself, I wouldn't have a brand. And that's really a bad thing when you're a yeah. writer. Yeah. But uh, I would have to say if people currently know me most for my historical fantasy, my first two books, which were the Avalon series. So that would, uh, someone put a gun to my head saying, you know, what's your brand? Who are you? It would be historical fantasy. Tell us um, a little bit about that series. Um, and like all my listeners know that once, you know, they get on show notes, they're going to find your website and, the, and you know, go and, and get whatever they need. But tell us a little bit about that series. Because was that was that the series you had started working on when we met two years ago or had you had already had it written? I can't remember. I had already written the first book, which I, I believe we talked most about when I when we last talked. And then I wrote a sequel to that and then took a long break. And then I wrote uh, this uh, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's your favorite 
out of the two kind of uh, genres? <laughs> um, this last one was a lot more, I felt more like a writer. I felt more literary. I felt um, more artistic when writing it. My My first two books were was my inner 10 year old coming to life and depositing all of the knowledge I accumulated about anything that had to do with swords and armor and dragons. And yeah, that was kind of my uh, love letter and myself, I guess, in my first yeah. two books. Yeah. But uh, the, this last one, I felt more like a grown up, more like a writer. Nice. Nice. Okay. So you have this third one and it's a completely different genre than your first two year series. Um, where are you, what are you doing now? Are you working on another book, another series in, in, um, in the same genre? Kind of tell us where you're, where you're heading for this wonderful, what are we, 2022? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm not currently writing anything at the moment and I'm kind of backing up and working I'm considering turning one of my other books as unpublished. It's a finished manuscript and I'm considering turning that into a graphic novel and pitching that to uh, uh, comic books. That's um, publishers. So do you, and that's a completely different genre altogether. Oh, it is. Do you do the, would you do all the illustrations for it? No, no, not me. Not at all. You'd have somebody um, else do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's very cool. So graphic novels are, I love them to death because my daughter, my oldest daughter, she does um, digital uh, animation and, and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And so it's just always cool. been fascinating to me, graphic novels. And so very cool. What's the theme of that one? So I can keep my eyes out for it. <laughs> that one is a World War One vampire zombie action adventure horror. <laughs> Very cool. Okay. I love all that. I, I'm into all that. All right. So Adam, your first series, was that your historical horror? Is that what we're calling historical horror? Uh, that was a historical fantasy, the first. Historical one. fantasy. Was that traditional or self-published? That was self-published. Both of them were. Okay. And then your second book, is that traditional or self? Actually, everything I have is self-published. The only work I've had recently that's truly published with a publisher was a uh, novelette that got turned into a uh, podcast, actually. It got oh, turned did. into a, a multicast um, audiobook. Oh, that's so super cool. That's very that was a different genre altogether. <laughs> oh, it is. And it's really actually the hottest podcast market right now. Um, I think that's something that um, a lot of the podcasters that started out with me or kind of preceded me in podcasting that were doing interview styles like this, they moved to the literary fiction style where they hire actors and those actors will, and they'll do all the sound and everything for it. It's like an actor and audio book. So that's very cool that when your stories got picked up for that, how did you um, find a place to submit that? Was there a contest or something? Um, I found that on Duotrope. Have you oh, heard of okay. Duotrope? Mm -hmm. It's uh, you know, it's a clearinghouse information boards for all the different publishers and agents that you can uh, possibly find. And I get their newsletter, and in the newsletter they have a list of you know these are publishers who are currently accepting submissions. Very and cool. you look 
look through the quick list and like, no, no, I have nothing for them. And then you go, oh, maybe click on that, takes it to their duotrope page, gives you the rundown of whether, they, what genre, how big, and whether they'll accept something that's been pe previously published or not. And you, you quickly weed yourself out of whether you can submit or not to them. Yeah. And I found this one that was like, dang, perfect. Yeah, it sounds good. So how did they handle that with Rope? Do you get paid for downloads or of the podcast? Or I'm just curious. Or did you just sell outright? Everyone's different. And they paid me a lump sum up front. And uh, they're, they're not a real big publisher. Or I think they're a nonprofit. So uh, the big draw for them is that they turn your book into a multicast audiobook, which, you know, on my, I couldn't have done that on my own. Oh, because you I have could, to pay the actors. I had money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's the, the cash they gave me was not a heck of a lot at all, but the, the value of yeah. the, the audiobook is well worth it. Oh, the exposure in the audiobook alone, because, you know, a lot of um, self-publishing authors are going into creating their own audiobooks, and most of them will read them themselves if they have a good audio voice and they can do all the work. Trust me, doing a podcast, that's not something I would be interested in doing, even though I can. It's just a lot of work. <laughs> right. um, and the most interesting ones are ones with different voices and characters. And so, you know, there are places you can go to hire voice actors, um, but you know, it can be, it can be expensive. So very interesting. Well, that's a great tip for anybody that might be listening to this episode. Um, cause I didn't know about that one, uh, where to go for that, that particular group of people as far as publishers and stuff. So that's very good. Very good. So Adam, were you thinking that you wanted to, um, wanted to do a reading from your latest book on the podcast? Um, sure. I could do that. I love that. So why don't you tell us the title, what you're going to read from, give us a little bit of background about it, whatever you need to do. And then you can be my last author reading for the authors of the Pacific Northwest. That'll be great. And then I will take us out at the end. All right. Well, uh, the book is Midnight in Silverton, American Gothic. Incredible cover art was from a local artist in Silverton. She does great watercolors, and I will read it from the opening, um, the, the, the prologue, which sets the stage, gets the ball rolling. And a little fun fact for this project, uh, I have song lyrics in here from famous songs, and that was quite the journey to get a hold of the uh, publisher and get permission to have those lyrics in here. And so uh, yeah, let me let me interject here a little bit because in my book for authors about researching, I tell them basically stay away from song lyrics because it's a very big challenge. So I'm impressed that you did that, <laughs> that you actually reached out to them and, and got permission. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in a hurry to do it again, let's say. No, that, no, I can't imagine. <laughs> okay, so this is... Now, it, the prologue is probably just long enough that it won't take up too much time. And are you ready? I am ready for you. Okay, here we go. So how does it start, Homer asks. On a bridge, I answer and open my eyes. 
There is a mystery and choices to be made. I hesitate over that response, rolling its veracity. Also, that I've answered in the present tense, that seems to be a theme now, choosing, choosing as I go, and searching, searching for answers, self. Excellent, Homer says, satisfied. I look beyond him to the scene around us. Where has the pub crowd gone? The room is dark, illuminated by ghostly light of neon bar signs and natural candlelight at each table. The wall clock is encircled by a purple neon tube that spells out Max Place. The ceiling fans are interconnected by belts that crisscross the ceiling and blow a gentle breeze on me and make the candles shiver. As a result, I feel colder than I should, damp. Though when I hug myself and rub my upper arms, my shirt sleeves are dry. I reach for my drink, a whole pint of amber-colored beer. My wrist drags in a puddle on the table, and I raise my forearm to stare at the wet fabric in the pool that caused it with fascination. Odd, something tugs at my mind. Sitting across the table from me, Homer says, a bridge is a good start, very symbolic. He's just finishing consulting his pocket watch. He snaps it shut with a crisp motion, and what light exists in the room glints off his case as he returns it to his vest pocket. I like Homer's vest. I like his style. A neat three-piece suit, but he wears a cravat instead of a modern tie. The collar of his plain white shirt hugs the tie so stiffly that I'm not sure whether he is wearing his suit or whether it's wearing him, holding him upright. Doesn't matter. I like it. Nothing wrong with a bit of starch in a man's back. It suits the solidity of his demeanor, his conviction. And though his suit is plain gray, I like that too. Nondescript. Reflective of a man who knows how to say what he means without the distraction of a flashy wardrobe. That's why I trust what he has to say, even if his truths can be harsh. I agree that bridges can be symbolic, but add, I have to admit, though, that I didn't expect it to start like this. I've pictured this happening toward the story's middle. Best laid plans, Homer says. His handlebar mustache turns up with, when he smiles, causing it, the flanges to rise alongside his hawkish nose like a bird taking flight. I smile back. What's important is to just keep at it, Homer continues. Even when it gets hard, when it seems like all signs are aligned against you. A voice from my right adds, yes, just keep at it. Oh, Stephen is there, even though I lost track of him. One word after the other, one foot in front of the other, it's not going to do itself. I believe it was Ray Bradbury who said, you must stay drunk on writing so reality cannot destroy you. Suddenly, Stevie is sitting to my left. I shake my head clear and stare at him in his new seat. I also suddenly remember that Stephen hates the use of the word suddenly in narration. My use of it, not only once in this paragraph, but twice, embarrasses me. I hope he forgives me. He slouches forward over his drink. He is the opposite of Homer, more relaxed, laid back and contemporary in his blue jeans and black Ramones t-shirt. The pub's thin light reflects off his round spectacles. Streaks of gray have started to appear in his signature long black hair. 
up close, he's kind of a creepy looking bastard, but the mischievous glint in his eyes belies that it's just as just a performance and he is not the least bit dangerous. A consummate outsider, which I can also admire or at least relate to. I think Ray would like you, I tell him. You both had such similar things to say. I know I liked him, he says, taking a drink of his diet soda. I don't begrudge him the fact we're in a bar and he's drinking a soda because he's a recovering alcoholic. I promise you, Homer says, it will become more difficult as you go. But don't let that deter you. The truth is important. It must be said. He picks up his teacup, sips once from it, and returns it to the saucer. Both are gold trimmed and painted with a vine motif. The china rattles perceptibly. I look to my right at the table. The glass pint mug sits there now. Clark's beer awaits his owner's return. And like my drink, Clark's is very yellow, most likely Olympia. Clark has no time for all these faddish microbrews. I'm grateful I'm not the only one drinking a beer. I take a pull of my amber brew and consider my companions. Despite their differences, there is a resonance. After all, Homer, with his center-parted hair combed through with pomade, coupled with that mustache, could pass for Edgar Allan Poe's doppelganger, a compliment to any creepy bastard. I consider their device on my tail. If nothing else, I can put one foot in front of the other. I do have some convenient strengths. Am I not often accused of going on and on, saying too much, doing too much? For once, it's a strategy, and in the end, eventually, it will mean something. I sigh heavily, at least it's not suddenly, thinking about meanings. I've been searching all my life for purpose. That will be the challenge. It will be my undoing if I'm not careful. I need these wise souls, so long as they speak plainly and don't go on like the Mad Hatter's Tea Party. I might be okay. The sound of a coin making its way through the circuitous route of a jukebox draws my attention to the back wall. Beneath a gallery of black and white photos of musicians, a glowing Wurlitzer radiates rainbow pastels into the ghostly atmosphere. Clark stands before it on the dance-worn hardwood floor. Satisfied with his selection, he returns to the table. Despite broad shoulders and big working hands, he still manages to look like an imposter in his gray work shirt and wool pants held up by suspenders. A five o'clock shadow darkening his lantern jaw does nothing to hide his movie star good looks. If anything, it enhances them. He sweeps dark forelock out of his eyes with one hand and seizes the pint with the other. As Clark takes a drink, Peter Gabriel's voice fills a room from the jukebox. My body is a cage that keeps me from dancing with the one I love, but my mind holds the key. Things reveal themselves like they were meant to be, I say, distantly listening to the music as Peter's voice drones on, drifting about the room, an errant spirit trying to find its way out. Art imitating life, Clark adds. He would know the actor playing at being a logger. I incline my head, murmuring, but my mind holds the key. My body is a cage that keeps me from dancing with the one I love. But my mind holds the key. I'm standing on a stage, a fear and self-doubt. 
It's a hollow play, but they'll clap anyway. Don't lose yourself, Clark warns. Do what you must to move forward, but don't get caught up in someone else's truths. Find yours, then he leans forward and holds my gaze. Find your way out. Here, here, Homer says, raising his teacup. I'll drink to that, Stephen says, and he and Clark raise their glasses. I feel fortified by their companionship and goodwill. I raise mine, touch theirs, and take a drink. When I do, I look over the rim of the glass and note over the bar there is now a flat screen television playing the news. An anchorman is talking to the camera. The sound is off. The news ticker at the bottom announces two local women have been murdered and a third is missing. Looks like there's more than one mystery to be solved around here, Clark says. I set my glass back on the table, dragging my arm through the puddle again. It's much bigger now. Concern grips me as I stare at my wet sleeve, accompanied by an irrational fear that the wetness might spread and overcome me. There's a throbbing in my temples. My heartbeat accelerates. A sound invades my ears. Peter Gabriel is drowned out by the new sound over the loudspeaker above the music stage near the jukebox. Static? No, not quite. Electrical, though. A crackle. An electrical crackle but somehow muffled, somehow near, somehow far. Something drops on my sleeve. I look at it, a drop of moisture, followed by another. I look up to the ceiling just in time to see another one coming just before it lands in my eye. Okay, seriously creepy and great. <laughs> I love it. That's so exciting. Well, I hope all the listeners were hooked like I, I was, and we need to know now what the mysteries are. So very good job, Adam. Thank you so much. So Adam, as we go out of this podcast, how about you share with the listeners the last little bit of advice that an author can share from the authors of the Pacific Northwest to those who um, are starting their journey? Because you are... Well, on yours with several amazing books that you've done, and you've done an audiobook, got that submitted and got that done through a whole new stream. So, what would you share with somebody advice wise? I would say the thing that's been impressed upon me most recently is the need to really get out and just meet like minded people, whether there's writers' conferences. Uh, sci-fi convention or romance conventions, you know, whatever your genre is, you need to rub shoulders with the people who are in that industry, that genre. And that's where things will start happening. I agree. And that's been, that's been definitely challenging for most authors because we tend to be a little bit more introverted. And then we had the whole COVID thing, which got us all stuck inside the house. So that's a great way to send out the end of this podcast is saying, you guys get out there, start meeting each other. <laughs> um, hey, if you are listening to this and you um, are interested in buying Adam's book, you'll find the website on the show notes. Email Adam, let him know you heard him on the podcast because it does feel like sometimes we talk to the void, so we never know who hears us. And um, before I close it out, Adam, I wanted to thank you for being a part of this journey with me um, over the last four years. It has been a wonderful journey meeting authors like you and the encouragement that you've given to me in the past um, by responding back to things that I've said in emails or whatever. I do totally, totally appreciate it. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being on this podcast episode. And maybe you and I will rub elbows at one of those conventions here in the future. 
Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you jump on the show notes and find the author, buy their books, write a review. And most importantly, you can find out more about me and my projects at one of my two websites, www.squishpin.com or theauthorslibrarian.com. And until next time, this is Vicki J. Carter, the Authors Librarian, signing off.